The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made, and by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. The focus of today's episode is on your potential as a leader before, during, and after a crisis. You may have heard the story of U.S. Airways Flight 1549, which successfully crash-landed in the Hudson River in New Jersey on January 15, 2009, after a flock of geese got sucked into and disabled both of the plane's engines. Miraculously, all of the 155 passengers and crew members survived. The accounts of this story have been widely publicized, including in books, documentaries, and the 2016 movie Sully, directed by Clint Eastwood and starring Tom Hanks. The story we're featuring in this episode goes beyond the miracle of survival to that of growing and even thriving after a crisis. My guest, Dave Sanderson, is one of the exceptional leaders who made a deliberate decision to risk his life in order to help his fellow passengers to safety. Dave emerged from this potential tragedy with an expanded professional mission that has taken him to different parts of the globe. Through his book, Moments Matter, and through more than 100 speaking engagements on average a year, he shares how you can step up and overcome your own personal plane crash. Dave, I'm so honored to welcome you to the show. I'm honored to be with you. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for the service that you offer by sharing all the lessons learned to people all over the world. I, I am honored and humbled to be able to do it. Thank you very much. Dave, you refer to yourself as an ordinary person in an extraordinary situation in which a routine work day for you, taking a plane to go for work meetings, became a life-changing experience. Tell us more about that. Well, thank you. Yes, I was on the end of a three-day business trip that started in Sarasota, Florida, ended in New York. Uh, that day I was working in a distribution center. Uh, normal day, 16 degrees, a little bit of snow. And we started our day so early, about 5 a.m., because we were in a distribution center, that we got done early. So uh, that's when I made the arrangements to get on an earlier flight. I was scheduled to be on the 5 o'clock flight. So uh, I truly believe that I was supposed to be on that plane for a reason. Uh, nothing extraordinary about the, the, the process of getting on the plane, but as we know now, about 60 to 70 seconds after we took off, it's when, when uh, the bird struck, and that's when I heard the explosion on the plane. I was a C-15A on the window, so 
when it happened, I looked up and I saw fire coming out from the left wing, so I knew something had happened, but candidly, I fly so often in my job, I thought that the Captain Sullenberger was just going to go back uh, to the LaGuardia and get on the plane. And then everything changed at that moment in time. You made a comment that you, need, you knew you needed to be on that plane, which ties into an important point that you have emphasized, which is that a person's value system kicks in to drive his or her decisions when a crisis happens. Most definitely. I, I believe that uh, everybody was on that plane for a reason and a purpose. Some were more active than others, but I think everybody was there for a reason. And I think people's values do step up in times of, uh, of a potential crisis, a tragedy, traumatic experience, whatever you want to refer it as. I think that the, the true meaning of your, yourself starts to shine. So I think uh, you saw the best in people that day, uh, not only from the captain and the, and the crew, but the passengers who, who stepped up in times of a crisis. And I truly believe that uh, my value set was tested that day. I think that uh, I, my parents gave me a solid value uh, belief system, and fortunately for me that it, uh, it kicked in when it needed to kick in. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, because you go at that point based on, on what your experience is, and fortunately for me that uh, my parents grounded me to the point where I, uh, I had a value system that was based on helping other people and doing the right thing. Dave, I like to think that inherently many of us or hopefully all of us have an inclination to do the right thing. And then when we're in a crisis, somehow some of us shut down and have a hard time rising to the occasion. And the term that you have used is managing your mind. And I'd love for you to give us a little bit more insight on that so that we can all work on expanding rather than contracting when an unexpected situation happens. How do you manage your mind so that your values can guide your reactions? Thank you very much for letting me share share some more distinctions about that. When I talk about managing your mind, it's really about the state of mind that you're in. And, you know, I think when there's a lot of ways to do it, and in times of a crisis, you have, you, know, you have to rely, there's really three main ways to rely on your physiology, the way, way you move your body. The second is the way your language patterns, the way you speak to yourself. And the third is the way you focus. And when, during that crisis and tra- traumatic situation of a plane crash, you look at what the captain had to do. He couldn't uh, move his body very much. And Canley, he had to use his voice in a way and watch the terms that he used to, uh, to impact the people that were on the plane. But he had to use the power to change the state and change how he managed his mind through focus. And I think that was a strong, strong point that doesn't get talked about enough. Personally, I had to focus myself. I had to focus on myself. I couldn't, I couldn't move my body much. I was in C-15A. Some there was next to me. I couldn't really move a lot. And Canley, I didn't want to talk a lot because Canley, I was thinking of what the strategy I had to do to be able to hopefully survive a plane crash. So the way I managed my mind and managed my state, and most people who manage their states had to manage it through the way they focused, because one thing you learn in a traumatic situation, uh, there's not a lot of resources. You had to really focus and be resourceful, and one of the ways to be resourceful is through the power of focus. You talked about the importance then of being present in the moment, being able to focus so that you're resourceful, 
And the type of dialogue that you have with yourself in that moment, in addition to how you're communicating with other people, both verbally and non-verbally. Most definitely. Because you know, one thing I've learned is in, in all my training and all the work that I've done is there's really three primary ways to, to communicate with people, whether it's through vi- you know, visual experience, through a, whether it's an auditory experience, or whether it's a kinesthetic experience. And everybody communicates differently. And when you're in that time of uh, a potential crisis situation, uh, it's hard. It's harder to understand how someone communicates quickly. I, I've learned the techniques on how to do that, but you have to really rely on on your own values and own instincts on how to communicate. And you have to communicate effectively and succinctly. So I had a situation on the plane where there was a lady with a baby, and she was on the wing of the plane, and I was hanging out. And candidly, she was in a in a state that was unresourceful. She was scared, and she probably was trying to figure out what she was going to do with her baby and her other child on the lifeboat. And since I couldn't really, you know, figure out quickly on how she communicated, I had to yell something to really see how she communicated. So I yelled, throw the baby. And with that, all of a sudden I realized she was an auditory person because all of a sudden she looked at me and I got her attention. So the skill sets of how to communicate in a different in modalities is a powerful, powerful way to be able to uh, manage your state and manage the way you, you think in times of a crisis. I can see how come you put this under the framework of leadership skills because you're talking about being succinct. You're talking about making quick decisions, communicating in ways that when other people feel panicked and having a hard time with their decision-making, that they're able to hear you and respond affirmatively. Most definitely, and, and even when I was speaking with Captain Sullenberger, and you know he's been asked this question, I ask him the same question: Is why did he say the words he said? Because he told me he had to be succinct, he had to get the message across, and he had to use words that would get people's attention. And I think strong leaders and leader, and especially in leadership, those folks who communicate in that manner succinctly and get people's attention are ones who uh, you will get, be able to get the. the the outcome accomplished in probably a much rapid, more quick, quick way than just trying to be very passive through the way they communicate. This ties into another key point that you made that has to do with preparation. You mentioned that there were experiences you had that prepared you for that moment. And in any situation we're in, right, even though we can't anticipate the crises that we're going to wind up in or other types of situations, you can still do some kind of preparation that will help you when you're in that moment. Most definitely. I, I talk about you know, those who have the humility to prepare will be the ones who have the ability to execute in that moment of, uh, of crisis. And I think about all the things and all the moments that I had in my life that probably led up to that moment. And I, I'll share one with you that I've never really talked about. I wrote about it uh, months ago. But it was an experience I had when, boy, when I was in Boy Scouts, and I was going for the Order of the Arrow Award, and basically you're left out in the woods to be able to do a few things over a span of 24 hours to show that you can survive in the wilderness and be able to do other things and think on your own. And one of the things that they did is they had to, I had to cross a river uh, with my backpack on to get to the other side so I could get, uh, get going to do the next task. And, Kaylee, I never I, – I was a good swimmer, but I never – has been in the water with my clothes and my backpack on. So I went in the river and got through the river uh, with that. So I fast forward to that day on the Hudson River 
when I jumped in and had to jump in to say basically to save my life because the plane started, I felt thought it was sinking, and all of a sudden I there was no room on the wing for me. I had that experience subliminally to draw from that I'd been in a river, I'd been in a situation like that before in Canley. I, I had more certainty, which drew gave me a lot more passion to be able to do what I was able to do. That's such an effective and poignant example that when you're in a situation, more than likely in some place of your life, you've experienced something that can help you in that moment and you need to have the confidence that you can draw on those experiences and that they'll serve you in the present situation. Most definitely. That's the, you know, when, when I think everybody, especially looking at like a Captain Somberg, the years he had to do to prepare, everybody has setbacks. But it's those moments when you have those setbacks is when you learn the most. And I, one thing I learned from my mentor years ago, him, that was as, you know, when you fail is when you have a learning experience. Before, when you, I fell when I failed, I, I let everybody down. I changed, once I changed that thought process in my head, as a learning experience. I can never fail if I learn something from it. Helped me in many times in my life, and especially that day uh, on the Hudson River when uh, many decisions had to be made very quickly. And within six minutes, uh, my life changed dramatically. That's such an interesting frame that you're bringing up. If you look at your experiences rather than as failures, as preparation for things to come, then they actually elevate you, and it makes a lot more sense. Most definitely. I think that's one of the things that's going to be shown in the movie coming out, Sully. It's that untold part, the backstory that that people really don't understand about how people get there. Because a lot of times, I have to admit, when I was getting interviewed uh, many times, people say, well, I thought you just got on the wing and went home. And I tell people, mm-hmm. nothing in life is that easy. There took years of preparation, not only from me and everybody else on that plane, but look at the, at the rescue, the, how the thing the rescue came. I had a chance to talk with and present with the person who wrote the plan for the rescue. That plan was written years before that, that they, had, they had a chance to execute on it. But that, that plan was in place. They prepared for that time. Even though you don't plan for a plane to be crashing into the river, that was already that plan was already written. So preparation was done not only from the, the people on the plane preparing for in their lives what was going on, but those people who had to execute at that moment uh, in the middle of a frigid river in the 16-degree temperature. Right. Sometimes we're evaluating a situation based on what we see in that moment, and we look at people's reactions in the moment. If we look at it from a deeper perspective with more of a 3D vision, then we see that there are so many events and experiences that led up to the capability that they demonstrated in those crisis situations. Most definitely. I was actually talking, my wife and I were talking the other day, Hemden. It was about when I, I got fired once in my life, and it was a situation where you know, I had a disagreement with management, and very rarely you're going to win those kinds of uh, interactions. But, and I held a grudge for a while, but then I told her, I said, you know what, I've realized over these last 20 years, if that didn't happen, none of the rest of this would have happened for us. You know, it was, my, my life would change. So that adversity at that moment where I had a setback really would help me advance to where I became more resilient in how I approach things and not take it personally and just move on. And that's what I tell entrepreneurs when I speak to their groups. It's that, you know, you know you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have those personal plane crashes. It's how you respond uh, to those plane crashes is how you're really going to be looked at 
in the long the long run. Everybody has a failure. Everybody has a setback. It's what do you do after the setback that's going to determine uh, determine your destiny. Right. You don't see it as an end game. You see it as the many opportunities that we have to prepare for successes. That's correct. It's all it's all a learning experience, a preparation for that next step, and because you have you have. You don't have these steps. It's harder to grow. You have to have pushback to grow because a muscle, like they talk about a muscle, unless you, you push against it, it doesn't grow. It just atrophies. You have to push. You have to have that pushback. And that's why I just wrote this week about some of these Olympians. They've had setbacks. All these things aren't rosy. These gymnasts had a hard time getting to where they're at. But, you know, when it came time to execute, they had so much adversity they've overcome. That was the enjoyment. That was their, that was their shining moment. So I, I truly believe that, you know, that day, and uh, Captain Sullenberger's experience came out and shined. Everybody that day who was on that plane, their time had the ability to shine. And um, I think it was, it was one of those things that people remember just like uh, some of the big events in our lives. We'll take from this segment that inspiration, that adversity offers us this tremendous opportunity to prepare for what's to come. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we return, Dave will discuss another aspect of leadership, the impact of both uncertainty and certainty on leadership. Stay with us to learn more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I am Hemda Mizrahi speaking with Dave Sanderson, who joins us virtually from Charlotte, North Carolina. Dave is a motivational speaker, author, and mentor 
whose professional mission expanded after a near-fatal experience. He was one of the passengers of U.S. Airways Flight 1549, which successfully crash-landed into the Hudson River on January 15, 2009. Dave talked about how values can kick in to guide your decisions in crisis situations. In his case, he decided to delay his exit from the plane in order to help others to safety. This segment will focus on how uncertainty and certainty impact leadership during crises. Dave, tell us what you mean by uncertainty and certainty. Uh, Well, thank you. So one of the things I've learned over my years is there's people have six primary human needs. The first two human needs are the, the need to have certainty in their life, and the second is the need to have uncertainty, which is diametrically opposed. But what what I found, and after I've studied, is people have so get some. If you have so much certainty in your life, you get bored. So you want to do something to try to change it up and have some variety and some uncertainty. But on the other side, if you have so much uncertainty, you're you get stagnant. You don't know what to do. You get stifled. So in, what I found in leadership is those you know those folks who have, in a situation like I was at, a traumatic situation, you know, the folks who have the most certainty all of a sudden become, you seen, are seen as leaders. There's so much uncertainty going on at times of a crisis, whether it's like floods that are going on across the country now, whether it's plane crash, whether it's a car, whatever it may be, that all of a sudden the person who shows the most certainty becomes the leader. Let me explain further what I mean by that. On the plane that day, I was, I was, hanging out the right door, and there's a picture that was taken of, of me while I was doing that, and, and it was shown on Good Morning America, and I was very shocked to see it, but one thing I noticed very quickly is, well, there was no crews on the right side helping the passengers in time uh, of time of trying to exit the plane, where most, of, most if not all, of the crew went out the left side and were helping the left side. So at that point, leaders all of a sudden stepped up. People who didn't have any of the training of how to handle a plane crash, how to exit a plane during a plane crash, because no one listens to the flight attendants, no one reads the brochure. So at that point, everybody was just going on what they thought they needed to do. Well, all of a sudden, some leaders did step up and started giving direction, and all of a sudden, the people who had that uncertainty were all of a sudden looking to people like, hopefully like me, who were giving direction on what to do, where to go, how to do it, uh, which turned out to be one of the most positive things that happened on the right side of the plane. So in times of uncertainty, the person with the most certainty will be be seen as the leader. You talk about then that balance between certainty and uncertainty and how both are necessary for growth in life. If you have too much certainty, you can get bored. If you have too much uncertainty, you can be stagnant. So finding that place, like in your situation, where there was a lot of uncertainty when it came to that very unexpected situation of the plane coming down into the water, and it's not necessarily what you would think uh, logically, that it's not the people who have the knowledge about that particular situation, like in your case, knowledge around evacuation procedures, but there are other qualities that make for the people who wind up stepping up and showing the certainty that builds confidence around them and helps people to move through that type of situation. Most definitely. And one of the things I learned when I had the opportunity to escort a gentleman named General Norman Schwarzkopf 
years ago and had a conversation with him and asked him some questions. And one of the things I learned from General Schwarzkopf, number one, it's very intimidating being around a four-star general, just for your uh, for everybody's uh, perspective. When I asked him a question, I asked him how he won the war so quickly, and he gave me a standard answer, which I think he gives has it down pat. Uh, then I followed up with him. I said, "Can I ask you a second question? How did you really win it?" And he sort of looked at me, mm-hmm. yeah, but he gave me he gave me his thought process about leadership and certainty at that point. He said, "You know, every day when I was uh, coming to work, everybody had a problem. The, the women could not drive tanks in Australia." In, uh, Saudi Arabia. They could, they had to pray five times a day. They had to cover their faces. And I had to keep reminding my troops, how does this contribute to kicking Saddam out of Kuwait? I had to keep them reminding them, giving them certainty about the mission. And all of a sudden I realized a lot, a lot about leadership is setting, setting the mission and giving people the certainty that that is the mission and giving them the resources to do what they could do to be able to accomplish that mission. So I think you look back on what happened that day, I think Captain Sullenberger had the same mindset. He had a mission of getting that plane down with zero fatalities. I think we had a, the same mission on the right side of the plane, even though 155 people who did not know each other, care about each other, all of a sudden pulled together and pulled something off that had really never been done in the history of aviation because teamwork and leaders stepped up and gave direction in time of need when they had no experience of how to handle it. So leaders in times of uncertainty really stepped up and all of a sudden you obviously saw four or five, six, ten leaders all of a sudden emerge that Hanley may have never been leaders in their life beforehand. It seems then that repetition is an important part. You have to maybe in different ways communicate what the mission is and also your belief in the mission to reinforce that cohesiveness of everyone present around that particular goal. Most definitely. You have to be reinforced. It goes back to what we talked about earlier, about the ways to communicate that. It also goes back to the value set, getting people on a common value set when it comes to the mission. Because there's, everybody's got a different outcome. And I talk about the level of consciousness of people from some people who are tribal, who need to work together as a team, but some people are power guys who want to set the direction. You have all types of different people who are involved. So you have to be able to communicate effectively Plus, you have to understand and deliver the value set that we're going to work off of to be able to accomplish this mission. And I think that's uh, some of the key things around, around leadership that I've been able to learn and hopefully I communicate when I uh, do my speaking and uh, teach my workshops. It's that balance that you talked about. If you're in a situation where there's a lot of uncertainty, then you need to balance it with certainty and you need to ask that question, what, what can we make certain in this situation? And in what you're talking about really is deciding on a mission that can offer certainty. Most definitely. And, and if, you know, if you, not looking at it from a real spiritual perspective, but there's really one thing certain in, this, in our lives is that, that greater being. And, and even when you get to the, the crisis situation, if you look, to, look for that one certain thing in life, whether that's your greater being or your spiritual beliefs, that'll give you a sense of certainty to be able to you know that I may have an opportunity to do this, I have my mission is to survive. My mission is to help other people, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, your values come out and things get started getting accomplished. So I always look to tell people, you know, I don't know, I don't care what your religious faith is. It doesn't matter to me. But there is a greater being someplace in your life, and they are the ones that have, have given you certainty in your life because they're the only certain thing around. They've been around for thousands of years. You could always call on somebody, something to give you certainty. 
I appreciate that finer point that the certainty can come from people who are in, in roles that help to lead people. And it also needs to come from each person by each of us asking ourselves, what is it that we are certain of in our lives that reflects our value systems? I think that uh, that's a good, very good distinction because one of the things I love to talk about is the power of personal responsibility. Sometimes you have to, you have to call on yourself and you have to rescue yourself sometimes when, when, in times of need. Uh, sometimes there's not people around to be able to give you that reinforcement. So you have to go back, and we talked about preparation. The more you immediately prepare, it gives you the confidence to execute in that moment. So if you've had, had experiences in your life, you've got to call on everything you have. And then when it comes to that, that threshold moment in your life where you could actually live or you could die, and that's what I, I talk about. In 60 seconds, I had, we all had a decision. Well, one, we were either going to live or die in 60 seconds. It was going to be one or the other. So we had to, I had to prepare for both ends. And to do that, I had to call on a greater being. I couldn't call on anybody else around me because, Kenley, I didn't know anybody else around me that time. So it, I, I really talk and love talk about certainty because I think that's where leadership really starts, is the one who gives them sense the mission and gives the certainty to people to be able to accomplish that mission. Well, I really want to appreciate and acknowledge about you how beautifully you have demonstrated this full life cycle of leadership, all of the details that go into preparing for moments when you do have the opportunity to, sh- to demonstrate the work that you've done, even in dire situations like the one that you were in, and then taking that experience and really giving it a lifeline, the way that you have in speaking with people about what you learned both before, during, and after. Well, well thank you. One of the biggest treasures of my life now is the ability to speak to people who've been through traumatic experiences, especially people in the military, uh, police, and fire who've gone through tragic situations. And I, what I, see, I, I see a lot of them, they have a lot of uncertainty when they come home or go through their experience. And what I try to explain to them is really this is an opportunity to grow instead of going into a depressed state. And I help them give them strategies on how better questions they can ask themselves, better ways and strategies on how to do that. So hopefully they don't go into a situation where they go into a PTSD state. They can go into a PTGS, which is post-traumatic growth syndrome state, where they can actually grow and contribute and add value to others because every one of us has a story. And the more you process that story, the more that people can be affected, which means now you're adding value and, and also enjoying that process. It sounds complementary with the point that you made about adversity and situations where you have setbacks, that the idea is how can you convert those situations? And just assuming that they are, they are actually opportunities that can help you to add more value in the learning that you gain from it. Most definitely. I just spoke about a month and a half, maybe two months ago, to a lady who was in that avalanche situation over the Himalayas and who lost most of her camp. She survived, and she had, had guilt syndrome. And I was explaining to her and helping her try to understand that, you know, she has a bigger mission now. She was, she's been given a, no, a new opportunity to be able to not only share what happened, but share the strategies on how not only she survived, but how they, you can prepare for things like that in, in your mind, if not in actuality. And hopefully she'll, um, she'll be able to get to a better place. Right now she's in a challenged situation. 
she feels guilt. But uh, I think yeah, she needs leaders around her to give her certainty right now, especially in an uncertain situation. That's what's going on with the floods right now in Louisiana. There's so much uncertainty right now that uh, the American Red Cross, which I do, I'm very proud to work with, they're there to give people certainty and lead the way and help uh, give them, because they've had the experience of, of doing things such as Katrina and being able to be there for people. So it, there's, there's, there's examples all over the place, and that's why I tell people, don't get myopic. You get, look at the bigger picture. Be resourceful. Look at the big picture and draw on somebody else's experience. You can use that experience as your own experience to draw for that strength from. And this is such an important closing point for this segment. In any situation, if you have a death in the family that you feel responsible for in some way or other types of situations like the one you described where you might feel guilty because you're the only person who survived a situation, if you can ask yourself how that particular experience can feed into an expanded mission for your life as you have, Dave, then you find purpose and meaning in all of the experiences that you've had. Most definitely. It's all what and how you ask the question to yourself. And I believe, you know, I, I, I'll leave with this, is you know, after, the, after my plane crash, there was a lot of, a lot of things going on, but I had a client who was on the plane that crashed in Buffalo who didn't make it. She was a senior vice president of marketing for one of my clients. And I, when I visited that company the next time, it was a very awkward situation. But I was trying to give them certainty that, you know, I, I, I don't know why I survived. I was survived for a reason, and I'm going to use that to help them get through their situation with their loss of their, their executive. And that company and I have still to this day, even though I'm no longer with the company I was with, still communicate because I think, you know, like I mentioned before we talked about, and you did an elegant job of doing it, in the most uncertain times like they had, they need somebody who can give them certainty that uh, there is, they will make it. There is, there is sun on the other side, side of, the, of the mountain. It's not always going to be darkness and gloom, but they have to have, you have, to have that certainty to do it. And I, I, can, I and others who have survived situations like this can be that rainbow for people. It sounds like also, Dave, you've made room for other people on your mission, meaning that in this particular example that you gave, you're actually really engaging the life force of that person that part of your mission has to do also with what she stood for, what an integrating, honoring her life into your mission. Most, most definitely. That's, that's a great, great understanding. It's, you know, I, I believe that you know, she, probably, she, she was doing what she loved. She was on a mission herself. And the way that I and others could honor her is to basically... Be there to support her family, be, support each other, but you know, live live a life that, that she she would be proud of. And Canley, I it was a difficult time. Canley, I had a question. I did an interview with a TV station in Montreal during that time, and the question I got him to was, "Why did you think she died or they died and you didn't?" And it was really awkward for me. But then all of a sudden, I I said, you know, maybe it just wasn't my time. Maybe I have a I have I'm, I'm going to be used for a different way. And maybe they, they're going to be used for a different way in a different place. And that's what I think what happens. I, and so I think right now my life is about you know, giving people certainty, fulfilling the mission of being able to help people understand, do the right thing, whatever the right thing is for them, and to be able to serve and add value to other people. And uh, I'll add to that motivating message also, 
including the people whose lives were lost in the spirit of your mission, which you have expressed really beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to go to a brief commercial. When we come back, Dave will share more about how you can grow and even thrive rather than decline after a potential or actual tragedy. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined virtually by Dave Sanderson, a motivational speaker, author, and mentor whose own near-fatal experience inspired him to share with you what he's learned about leading during a crisis. Dave stated that effective leaders are those who step up to provide certainty during uncertain times. One of the ways in which they do this is by putting their egos aside and bringing people together around a mission that unites them. In this final segment, we're going to discuss more about how you can move from post-traumatic stress to post-traumatic growth, as Dave puts it, after a tragic or near-tragic situation. So, Dave, you talked a little bit about the mentoring that you've done with military personnel and others like firefighters and police officers who have been in very, very challenging situations. Would you talk more about how you help these individuals to shift from depression to growth? Well, thank you. It's one of the most gratifying things that I do, and I, I can't I don't do, a, don't share a lot about that because I, I definitely want to keep their their names in confidence. But I, I've had the honor to do uh, several of those kinds of folks who've gone through a traumatic experience, 
and the ones who come back from the military are the ones I really I feel closest to because uh, they uh, they come back with not only potentially physical challenges, but they may have some mental or emotional challenges likewise. And one pattern I've seen from the several that I've had the opportunity to talk to is they keep repeating a question to themselves over and over. And what they keep questioning or saying to themselves is, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? And they keep, so you say that over and over, you start stacking that. And there comes to a point that you stack so deep, you can't get out of it. So I've seen that some of these folks, some of the military men and women I've talked to, and police and fire especially, get to the point where they, just, they can't function. And I, you know, I believe depression is a state, and you can change any state that you really want to, but there's strategies on how to change the state. So when I, when I speak with them and I talk to them, I do a couple different things. First thing I do is I try to get them in a more physical state. As I talked about earlier, you know, the way you sort of manage your mind is changing the way you state of your mind is the physiology, the way you ask questions to yourself or focus. Well, when someone's in that situation, you've got to give them, get them to move. Most depressed people aren't in a, in a situation where they move a lot. So I get them moving, I get them walking, I get them doing something. And then I, I, I ask them, I say, well, why don't we change that question? Why don't you ask yourself, how can I add even more value and enjoy the process? It is that second part about enjoying the process that's important because you can add value all day long, but if you don't enjoy it, there will become a time where you're just shut off. To, okay, you know, I'm not getting anything out of it. Why? I have no personal significance out of this, I, but I'm giving other people. So you've got to figure a way to add, add value and enjoy the process. So once I get them asking those questions and all of a sudden coming up with ideas on how they could do that, well, they could, I could go speak to a group of older people at, at, at an old folks' home. I could go... Uh, Go to the hospital and see, see the, go to the kids' ward and help them and, and talk to them about my experience. Because one thing I found with people who've gone through experiences is the ones who go out and talk about it, have processed it, are the ones who get it out. They don't keep it in and start burying it inside so deep they can't get it out. The one, even people who were on the plane with me that day, Hemda, some of them have never spoken. They just keep it inside and they have rage inside. And it's because they just don't process it. So. That's how I really talk and work with folks like that. And, uh, you know, the, fire, the firemen who come out who've, had, who've lost somebody. We've had someone here in Charlotte. We had a firefighter lost who was a young man who went to school with my kids. He's 22 years old, and I talk to my kids about that. And so, you know, it's, it's just a different way you ask a question, and you move from depression to what's called post-traumatic growth syndrome. It's a way to grow from a, tra- a tragedy, a potential tragedy or tragedy, instead of getting depressed. And when AARP Magazine did that article on me about this, someone who actually did a study on me and watched what I did and saw what I was doing basically put, the, put all the pieces together about there was a strategy on how to grow just like there was a strategy on how to get depressed. And they wrote about that, and that's what sort of spurred me to do this. You make such incredible points that seem very reasonable to implement. Like the first where you talk about if someone's in a depressive state, you actually have to help that person to shift. And one way to do that is to actually physically get them to move. That's correct. Physically move, change their focus. Yeah, and the question, like I said, the language patterns, the questions they ask themselves, there's three, there are really three primary ways to do that. And once you get them moving and moving the body and moving their, their mental, mental state, all of a sudden they can start thinking in a more open situation. 
it's like when I talked to my dad before he passed away, and we were talking about the state of the economy. And, you know, he, he sort of looked at me, and when he was, you know, he was on his failing health, he said, you know, I grew up during the Depression. We, we, I've been through this before. People my age have been through this before. We got through it. You know, we ate once a day. We had no money, but we got through it because we all were in the same situation, and we pulled together. Even if I didn't, we didn't agree with each other, whether politically or religiously, whatever it may be, we pulled together. So he said, this, he told me, he said, this happens before, it's going to happen again. And he gave me, at that point, my father gave me a great lesson about certainty back then, because Canley, you know, depression was a bad situation. He lived in, in western Illinois, where Canley, he had one meal a day, and that meal was lucky to get that one meal. And all of a sudden, you know, these, everybody got through it, and you saw what happened after that. They thrived. You know, unfortunately, they had to do a war, but all of a sudden, the Roaring Fifties came, and people thrived. So it's a pattern in life, and he, just, he gave me certainty, you know what, You'll, we'll get through this. Just be smart, make the right, make wise decisions, and um, we'll get through it. So, you know, I look at the people all the time that can give me those life lessons, and that's how I became and started talking to other people about growing instead of, going in depression. You dropped a lot of gold nuggets in a very short period of time <laughs> in, in just this one minute. So I want to try to catch some of them so that we can really savor them and look at how we can apply them to our lives. You were talking about even in situation where there's strife, where people have different perspective on things, that it's very important to stick together. Find a way to stick together recognizing that the natural cycle of life puts forth these experiences that really test us. And if we're able to better understand how we can respond, the next time around something like that happens, we'll be able to deal with it better. And also, we will know that we'll have the equipment that's necessary to go from a depressive situation to a thriving situation. Most definitely. I think one of the things that I've learned and is that building rapport with somebody is probably the key, one of the key strategies. And building how to build rapport with people, of course, is you find something in common with them. And I, I believe sticking together, you know, there's a lot of differences, especially what's going on in this country right now in the, the, the mindsets of a lot of people, whether it's a racial situation that's going on, a political situation, there's a lot of strife. Instead of looking at what's we have more in common. And I, I wrote about that this week in my, in my blog about Simone Manuel, who won, was the first black female to win a, a gold medal in swimming. And how, you know, all of a sudden, no one gave her a chance to do anything. But all of a sudden, she pulled together, executed in that moment, and now she, I think she's, she's now, maybe that happened because with all the strife that's going on in this country, maybe she can be a symbol now of how to pull together when all stuff's breaking loose. Uh, has she, uh, uh, this one lady who had no chance to do it did something who's of a of a African American background and also people can hopefully connect on that so there's a lot of ways a lot of references to be able to do that Dave it seems that you're suggesting that we can all find ourselves in her meaning that we're all individuals who have the potential if we ask ourselves the question how can I add even more value as a result of my life experiences and also get something back from it? Enjoy what I'm, what I'm doing. Have, have fun with what I'm doing. Feel good about it. Serve as an example to other people. 
how and th- these types of experiences enable you to gra- gain a lot of credibility, right? So that people's ears perk, perk up, just like when you had the conversation with your father, knowing that he had made it to the Great Depression and reached a place where he grew and he experienced fulfillment and was able to thrive after those situations enough to tell the story. And as you're suggesting, talking about things rather than keeping your story bottled up is part of the healing and growth process. And it's a way that you can contribute to other people and help them along when they're struggling. Most definitely. And, and, you know, sometimes they push back on me and say, well, where am I going to talk? I have no place to talk. And what I tell people is that there's always places to talk. Whether it's in your church, whether it's in your chamber of commerce, whether it's just in a group of people at the local high school, and you know, some of the people like I mentioned on the plane that were having challenges, um, you know, they sort of pushed back on me once and said, "Why are you talking so much? Why are you out there talking?" I said, "Well, number one, I had a pathway to do it, but I said we all had a pathway to do it. I chose the pathway. Some people didn't, and for me, that was the way I processed what happened." Some people had to go through therapy, and we were all offered therapy. But some people had to go through the therapy to get their message out. So all of us had to deal with it in a different way, but all of it was about processing it and getting it out to somebody some way, somehow. And all of a sudden, you saw people starting to thrive and, 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 and helping other people. And I think that's, that's, that's really the secret sauce to really how to, have, how to handle this and grow from a situation instead of... Uh, going to a depressed state. You can make secret sauce from scraps, right? From the peels of vegetables and all kinds of things that ordinarily you would toss out. It's about converting. It's like anything, right? We say everything has energy. You can convert that experience into something that helps you to expand and helps other people also to do the same. Well, my mother always told me, Hemda, um, you're not the first person to go through this. And... And and more I, the longer I live, the more she's right about that. That Kennedy, you know, I, somebody's gone through what you've gone through before. And what I try to usually do is, if I've gone through something or that needs some help, I find the person who's done it because success leaves clues. And I want to find that person who's who's done it, find how they dealt with it, strategies they did, and implement their strategies, and hopefully grow from it, and then share that with other people when they get to that to that point in their time. What you seem to be describing is an experience of staying open. It's easy for any of us if we go, we're going through a hard time and maybe not feeling well about ourselves and about life in general to go into hiding, to isolate ourselves. And it's instead, it sounds like you're suggesting know that you're connected with everyone else. Know that other people have shared some of what you're feeling at least and keep open keep connecting keep talking keep listening and take in what you can learn from other people's experiences i think right now with the way social media is there's so many more avenues than when i grew up in the 60s and 70s to be able to do that and now if you can't find somebody who's gone through an experience similar or what you're going through um, shame on you. There's, there's people out there right now and ways to be able to do it, so many avenues that if you just do, if you Google the right thing, you'll find some a reference to be able to do it. And all of a sudden, as long as you have, a, have some references to back it up 
and they've done it, they've done it, they've done it. Well, you know what? If they did it, I can do it too. It's, it's, I think right now is, is, is amazing time. So if you, have, if you have challenges, you can find somebody who's, done this, who's, a, who's lived through it before and thrived after it, and all you have to do is model what they've done, and you too will be able to get that outcome. And Dave, you're a wonderful example of that. Well, well, thank you, him to my. You know, I, I I've talked about my mother and father a lot, but you know, one thing my mother taught me years ago, and when we were when I was young, and it served me that day on the Hudson River, and it serves me to the day to the day. Uh, and there's moments in my life when I say I can't do it, and my mother always said, if you can't do it, you must do it. She made you do it. She said you couldn't do. That word did not exist in my mother's house, and. So every time I get in that state, and all of us get in that state, where sometimes you say, you know, I just can't get this done. And all of a sudden, when, as soon as I say that word, I think of my mom, if I can't do it, I must do it. And it puts me in a resourceful state to be able to figure out ways to do it so I can get, get it done and move on. So it's one of the great lessons that my mother taught me. I wish, I, hopefully I've instilled that with my family in our house. I know we've had some challenges in our house with that word. And I always remind them what their grandmother said. And hopefully that, that, that'll resonate to the next generation. Thank you for leaving us with those strong words. If you think you can't do it, you must. Dave, I so much appreciate our time together. Well, thank you, Hemda. I, I treasure our time together, too. And thank you, and I hope your audience will enjoy this. And um, I look forward to if they want to get in contact with you. You know how to get in, con- get in contact with you. I'd even love to share more details with them. Yes, I'd like to invite everyone listening to learn more about applying the lessons that you shared today, Dave, by reading Dave's book, Moments Matter. And as Dave suggested, he also welcomes you to reach out to him through Dave, D-A-V-E, Sanderson, S-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S, dot com, if you'd like to invite him to speak at your organization or to present a workshop on mission-focused leadership. You can also learn more about the story of the plane crash by watching the movie Sully, starring Tom Hanks, and reading Brace for Impact, Miracle on the Hudson Survivors, Share Their Stories of Near-Death and Hope for New Life. If you have unanswered comments or questions about today's episode, please share them with me by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com, following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi, or liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 